Welcome to the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. I'm your host, Sanjay Parekh. Throughout my career, I've had side hustles, some of which have turned into real businesses. But first and foremost, I'm a serial technology entrepreneur. In the creator space, we hear plenty of advice on how to hustle harder and why you can sleep when you're dead. On this show, we ask new questions in hopes of getting new answers. Questions like, how can small businesses work smarter? How do you achieve balance between work and family? How can we redefine success in our businesses so that we don't burn out after year three? Every week, I sit down with business founders at various stages of their side hustle to small business journey. These entrepreneurs are pushing the envelope while keeping their values. Keep listening for conversation, context, and camaraderie. Today, we're speaking with Robbie McCullough, one of the founders of Beaver Builder, a complete drag and drop design system for WordPress. While running a successful web design agency, friends Robbie, Billy, and Justin were approached by a non-technical client who needed a website page builder tool so they could consistently update the site without possessing web development skills. After an unsuccessful search for a tool that met this need, the trio founded Beaver Builder in 2014. Robbie, welcome to the show. Hey, Sanjay. Thank you. <laughs> I'm excited to have you here. But uh, before we get into kind of Beaver Builder and how all of that started, I'd love for you to give us like a minute or two on your background and what got you to where you are right now. Okay. I, um, let's see, I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area, and I had a passion for computers and um, design and coding from a pretty early age. I was fortunate to have a computer around and um, started learning visual basic programming back when I was a, you know, a young and, and uh, tried like tried making little games and apps and things like that. Um, and then later on in my early twenties, I was kind of working, you know, sort of odd jobs, restaurants and things like that. And I kind of had this, this realization that I, that I wanted something that was going to be more of like a career, um, mm -hmm. for, for work. So I started, um, getting back into technology and, and web design, um, and kind of building some small web apps and things like that. Uh, and then eventually I started working with my now co-founders um, at our website agency, which was called Fastline Media. Cool. Awesome. Um, so I've got to ask, because you, you mentioned getting a computer when you were young, what was your first computer? Oh, gosh. So it was a family computer. It, it, interestingly, so my dad was always a PC guy. He was always running, you know, Windows. Um, and then, but, but then my mom, a little later on, like for a while, it was just like we had the computer and it was, you know, the only computer in the house. But right. um, my mom, I think it was one of her, I think it was my aunt who was a good friends with my mom, started working or worked at Apple. Um, this is probably back in like the early 90s. Yeah. Um, but my mom got an Apple computer. So there was always this like dad was a PC guy and mom uh -huh. was an Apple. Um, right. And I was more, mostly on the PC. Like I mostly used dad's computer. And then when I yeah. got my first computer, it was a, it was a PC. Yeah. So, so that first computer, uh, dad's computer, was it a 286, 386, 486? Do you remember? Gosh, no, I honestly have no idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish he was still around to ask. <laughs> well, what about mom's Apple? Was it a Mac or pre one of the pre Macs? Let's see. Like, so she, we had, we had the the old like boxy, like the the black and green <laughs> screened, um, yeah, Macs in in school. I remember those. Right. And then the first computer of mom's I have memories of was back when they did the kind of clamshell like color design, like the all in one okay. units. Yeah. Um, 
It sounds like that was a Mac. Uh, I only ask because my second computer was an Apple IIc uh, way back in the day. So I, I have a love for the pre-Mac computers that Apple used to put out by, way back then. Um, okay, so uh, let's get back on the topic. Otherwise, we're going to talk about uh, computer <laughs> tech nerd stuff here for a long time. Um, so was this uh, when you joined your co-founders? And, and by the way, how did you find, how did you meet your co-founders? Yeah, it's a funny story. So we met through Craigslist. Um, I had been doing some like freelancing jobs and and just honestly just trying to develop like a little bit of a portfolio of work to go and try and get like a real job. Um, and yeah, they had an, an ad on Craigslist. Uh, and I remember they 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 sold it really well. They're like, it was like, come join a Silicon Valley startup in its early stages. And um, they, they, you know, that phrase, like fake it till you make it like that used to be a common, uh, I mean, they were, they were a legitimate business and, and doing well and, and it was legitimate work, but it definitely like, they sold it. Like it was going to be more of like, you know, like, you know, you know, like the classic, like Google offices where you walk in and there's like massage tables and ping pong and all that kind of stuff. And <laughs> there, there was none of that. I take it. Well, let's see. There was, there was an Xbox, <laughs> there's an Xbox and there was an Apple TV. We used to do uh, fantasy baseball, uh, every year. So we'd stream a lot of baseball games in the office, but, but yeah. I think you're definitely the first and so far only person on this podcast that said that they met their co-founders on Craigslist. Yeah. Uh, I don't think yeah. anybody else has said that yet. Um, <laughs> so, so you've got that uh, feather in your cap. Uh, okay. So uh, you, you met these folks. Is this your first time uh, doing something entrepreneurial or did you do anything entrepreneurial when you were a kid? Um, or was there any entrepreneurs in the family, mom, dad, somebody else? It was, so I had a good friend um, in high school and he later on went and uh, started a company through Y Combinator. He joined the Y Combinator Accelerator and got funding. Um, and that kind of inspired me. I, I kind of, you know, I got to watch him progress through Y Combinator and start his company and grow his company. Uh, at the time, I kind of got turned on to the Hacker News site and started reading Hacker News regularly and, and just, um, I'd always enjoyed building websites and web apps. And some of my first projects were like forum sites and I'd throw some Google ads on there. Uh -huh. And it was kind of just like a way to make some extra spending cash when I was younger. Um, but then seeing seeing that kind of ecosystem of entrepreneurs made me realize, like, I'm not too far off from, you know, starting a business. I mean, I could, this this is a serious right. way to to make a living. Um, so I did a few a few websites and web apps that, like, you know, made some pocket change, um, but nothing like particularly entrepreneurial um, before that, and yeah. not in my family either. No. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now, actually, well, my, my mom recently, she, she's actually, she just retired, but she went back to school as like a second career um, uh -huh. and started a therapy practice. So this oh, was nice. after I'd started a business, but she has, she has started a business and, and closed a business now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So she got to watch you be an entrepreneur and, uh, and take that lesson for herself. That's awesome. Um, okay. So you found these, these two guys got <laughs> lured into a Silicon Valley startup, which, which was it funded or not funded? No, Bootstrap? no, it's all self-funded. Yeah. So totally not like a Silicon Valley startup. <laughs> um, so you got lured in this startup and, and then what happened? This was not doing Beaver Builder yet. This was uh, just doing web design. And, and how did Beaver Builder kind of become a thing at that point? Yeah. Yeah. We, 
we're doing um, website design. We did a lot of photography websites and we did a lot of kind of small local businesses. Those are kind of the two areas we specialized in. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned a little bit in the intro, but the, the classic story that we like to tell is, um, you know, we were working on WordPress and we all had some development chops and we had a client that came to us and asked us to build his site with a page builder tool specifically mm-hmm. because he wanted to be able to make changes. I think he'd had a website before that he'd worked with a freelancer or an agency with. And every time he wanted to like update a photo or a heading, he had to go back to that company and it was, right. you know, it was a pain. So yeah. he wanted us to use a page builder so that he could get in there and, and make the changes himself. And we kind of like balked at the idea um, because, you know, we were developers and we wanted to build, you know, write the code and we're like, oh, we don't want to use a, a page builder tool. That's, you know, that's too easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we did it for them and we kind of had this eye-opening realization because he was, he was right. He was able to take over the site, make, make his own changes. It made the whole process a lot easier for everyone. Um, but we, we didn't love the experience of the software that we used to build it. And we were kind of looking around for something that was more of like a what you see is what you get style tool. Right. Um, back then, a lot of the WordPress visual builders like worked in the admin area. So you'd put a little box in that said heading and you'd type the text in and you have to go to the front end of the site and refresh and it would show. Um, right. So yeah, we started working on one on the side, kind of nights and weekends. Uh, my, my technical co-founder, Justin Busa, this was mainly his drive. He would kind of come, come back into the office each morning and be like, look what I did. I was up all night and my wife's mad at me, but I like, <laughs> check out what it can do now. Yeah. Did, did you, uh, as you're thinking about this, like this client is basically asking you to create a tool that negates you guys as an agency, right? Like you're, you're, you're building a tool that cannibalizes your own business. Like, did you think that through of like, Hey, what are we doing here? Like, is this really smart? Was there any thought about that or, or you just went in? Good question. It's funny because we learned a lot more about running an agency after we started selling software. Um, we kind of got involved in some business coaching groups and just uh, a mentor of ours early on uh, ran a conference where he'd bring in a lot of like product people, but also agencies. And um, yeah, at the time we didn't really do any kind of like a service contract or have any kind of recurring revenue. And we, I, I remember we'd spend a lot of time in the day going through emails from people that we'd built websites for with just those little updates. And in hindsight, what we should have been doing was start charging some kind of like a, you know, recurring service fee. Um, but if it was just like a login and update this or that, like we would just kind of do it and not charge them for it. Um, so, so yes and no, like we probably could have been doing better in that sense. But at the time, um, it was helpful for us because that client didn't come back and, you know, use up our time that we weren't charging them for. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, okay, so when you uh, started to build this out as a team, um, how long of a period of time was it from, you know, hey, let's start building this to, oh, we actually have a version that is not going to fall over and people can use? It was probably about a year it was a little messy because Beaver Builder, the, there's like the page builder part of it. And then there's also a theme. Uh, and the theme was, if, if your listeners are familiar with, with WordPress, you know, WordPress themes run on all the sites. It's, but yeah. We had a theme that we used when we were building our, all of our client sites that was kind of like a boilerplate. Um, back in the day, it was like a bootstrap based, I think, uh, like CSS framework and markup framework. 
and like we weren't we were doing this legitimately but like a lot of the development time we put into building beaver builder we were able to do on like our clients time because we were actually working on client projects while building this thing out um but i'd say it was about a year in development and then internally we were using it during that time um and then we decided to try and productize it and sell it yeah so okay so you start productizing it um you're still running the agency you're, mm-hmm. you're still working for clients um, at what point in time, uh, and I think this is true, what, what point in time did these things cross over and you're like, the agency no longer makes sense. It's, you know, all in on Beaver Builder. I mentioned we had a, a business mentor. So his name's Chris Lemma. He, uh, he was doing a lot of blogging in the WordPress space around, you know, best practices as far as running a software business. Um, and actually at that conference, he threw a conference in Cabo, um, <laughs> And we were still doing both. We were doing Beaver Builder. We were doing the agency. And I think around that time, like we were doing under $100,000 a year in revenue, but we were growing. Um, and someone, multiple people actually kind of told 100, us. 100000 on the on the Beaver Builder side or on the agency? Yeah, yeah. Like on within the-, the first year, we were doing under under 100000 But it was like, there was, you know, there was maybe like four or five months where we were getting like a sale or two, you know, a month. And then we were getting a sale or two a week. And then we were getting like a sale or two every day. And and it was right. growing and there was something there. Um, but we were reluctant to jump all in on Beaver Builder because we'd built up this business and brand recognition um, with our agency. And we had ongoing clients, like some clients we had been doing work for like projects that took, you know, a year longer um, that were, you know, it it was consistent and um, it it was, it was a really difficult decision to make. We did eventually decide to go all in on Beaver Builder and we fired all of our clients. We stopped taking new clients. I guess we kind of did that. We did that reversely. We stopped taking new clients. Then we fired our ongoing clients and, uh, um, yeah, decided to go all in. Yeah. Did that, like, like, how did that make the team feel, especially the three of you as co-founders? Um, like, were you, was there anything nerve wracking about it? Like, were there, you know, late nights that were worrying about, are we going to be able to make this work? What were your concerns? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, it, it was, it was, it was very nerve wracking. It was a big decision. Um, I think like at the, yeah, around that transition point, like we all kind of had to take a little haircut on what we were making too. You know, we were like, okay, we're not going to take this project on. We're going to, you know, like, like be scrappy for a couple of months here and just hope this thing works out. And, and luckily for us, it, it did like Beaver Builder continued growing at that pace. And it wasn't long before it kind of, you know, took over the the agency business as far as like the revenue we were bringing in and you know, we were able to support ourselves with it. Um, but there was a few months there where, you know, we didn't know if that was going to happen and we were, you know, throwing away what felt like all of this work we'd done to build the agency business and the brand and the, you know, right. the trust with our clients and all that. And we were just going to dump that for something new. Yeah. In those early days when you were seeing that increased clip of people buying Beaver Builder, uh, was there something that you were doing to get that flow of connections and, and sales or was it all organic? How did that happen? It was mostly organic. We were uh, like doing all the classic kind of 
trying to inject ourselves in conversations and blog comments. You know, like I'd have a Google alert, like anytime someone mentioned a page builder um, in a new blog post or something, I'd go in and like, and a lot of it was like kind of not slimy, but it just, you know, a lot of it like didn't work. Like we would email, email people who had prominent blogs in the space and say, Hey, we'd love to give you a free copy of our software. Like we're doing this thing. We're really excited about it. And, you know, you would send out 20 of them a day and hear back from one person that would just like, it was nice enough to just say no, like it didn't just delete the email kind of thing. Um, but then it was, it was definitely a snowball effect where our product was solid. And at the time, and to this day, really still, it's like one of the, the best options out there. Um, early on, there, I guess there's a lot more competition in the WordPress space and like the, the page builder um, in the page builder space. But back then we were one of the only games in town. And when people started using it, and kind of seeing the benefit, um, they started talking about it. So we had a lot of word of mouth marketing. Like once that started, it slowly started rolling and picking up speed and momentum. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, fascinating. Um, and I think a, a lesson in in how you do marketing. Sometimes it just marketing happens to you. Uh, <laughs> you you don't do the marketing. Support for this podcast comes from Hiscox committed to helping small businesses protect their dreams since 1901. Quotes and information on customized insurance for specific risks are available at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, the business insurance experts. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about um, kind of managing business and, and, you know, really you guys went through a, a bunch of it, right? So you had the stress of like, you know, family and, and personal commitments. You had your own little small business and then you had this side hustle on top of it. Uh, how did you three manage all of that and, and make it all work? I think I had it the easiest because at the time I was a single guy. I didn't have a family or kids. Um, I used to joke around like, it sounds kind of horrible thinking about it now. I used to joke around and be like, hey, you know, if, if everything like goes to goes to heck, like I can just move back in with my parents, you know, like, <laughs> um, but both of my co-founders had uh, children and, and wives and more established families. Um, I actually, the reason they hired me originally was because my co-founder, Billy, uh, was having twins and he was planning to take some time off um, around the time his twins were born. So they wanted to get some extra help in there. Ah. Um, one interesting thing, I guess, that happened pretty early on in the business for us was uh, we were all based in the Bay Area and around Campbell, California. Uh, but my co-founders both decided to move out of the Bay Area um, to get, you know, bigger places for their growing families. And when we started, we were all working in an office together. But then maybe I'd say maybe two years ish into the business, we decided to go fully remote because uh, they were moving out of the area. So, mm. you know, pre, way pre-pandemic, kind of pre-working remote right. being so, um, you know, mainstream these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's interesting. And so how did you, um, as a team, I mean, when you did that, there really wasn't a lot of discussion about being a fully remote team. How did you manage that and and kind of figure out, you know, the challenges and, and deal with all of that stuff to, to make it work as a team? In WordPress, uh, there the the one of the co-founders of WordPress, Matt Mullenweg, um, also is the CEO of a company called Automatic. And the the if, if for anyone outside of the WordPress space, it's like it's very intermingled and it's a little complicated to describe how that all works because WordPress.org is a is a giant open source 
community-run project. Um, but then Automatic is this, you know, billion-plus, multi-billion-dollar-valued uh, corporation that contributes to WordPress, but then they also do hosting and, um, you know, various other other things. And Automatic has, I think, always been a remote company. If they weren't always... Um, they they from very early on were fully distributed and uh, Matt and a lot of people in the company would write a lot about how they managed that and they really championed the idea of having a distributed company so um, it was more popular I think in the WordPress space and hmm. there was they they were writing and, and sharing a lot of what had been working for them and and again kind of like encouraging that this was the future and um, it was a better way to to do work. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that they were uh, remote that early on uh, and promoting it. I, I don't think that's been discussed that much uh, during the pandemic or, or kind of even now. So um, fascinating. Um, so, okay, uh, now you guys are at the, this point where it's it's how many employees in the company? At that point, I think we were just, we'd hired one um, contractor to help us with support. So it was okay. the three of us um, plus one one guy who was already, um, you know, working working from abroad. Okay, so so you're at four back then. Fast forward to today, how many people are you now? We're about twenty to twenty two. We have a few kind of it, again, it's a little complicated. We have a few contractors that we work with right. that we feel like are part of the team, but yeah, yeah basically twenty. Okay. And, and everybody is spread throughout? Is this throughout the U.S., throughout the world? How far away are we talking? Yeah. Yeah. Throughout the world. Um, we have a, a maybe a handful of U.S.-based employees. Um, we have a few employees in the U.K., Canada, Philippines, um, and India, and, and a few other places around the world. Okay. Wow. So how do you, with a team that's relatively small like that, how do you manage um, across a team like that? And and it seems like the advantage would be that everybody's in a different time zone. So you almost have a 24-hour cycle of people always working and being awake and, and working on stuff. Does that work out for y'all? It has worked out for us. We're we're pretty flexible, I think. It's, I guess, again, since like post-pandemic now and seeing how a lot of other companies have handled the transition from going from in-person to, to distributed. Um, we're definitely like on the side of like a lot more casual, like get your work done when you can, when it's comfortable for you. Um, we, we in the States kind of keep a standard nine to five schedule where that's where we're online and available. And um, we encourage everyone to like do their best to like try to be around during some of that time. Um, but you know, we have a couple like every, so one of the things that we've been doing since very early on is on Thursday, we have a standing Slack meeting where everyone comes in and we'll occasionally we'll like make some business related announcements. But for the most part, it's just an opportunity for everyone to kind of say hi. Um, we talk about like what shows we've been watching on Netflix or like, you know, when the World Cup was going on, like we'd be talking like whatever was kind of happening in the world that people were interested in. Um, like just in this last week, we're, <laughs> we have one woman on our team who uh, always lets us know when the Powerball lottery gets above like a certain amount. So we all, you know, usually end up going and buying Powerball tickets and, and daydreaming about how like, you know, like if this person doesn't show up on Slack tomorrow, we know they won because they're, like, they're never coming back. 
<laughs> there um, you go. There, there, there's no company pooled buying of, of Powerball tickets. No, we haven't done that. We haven't done that yet. Maybe, maybe we should. I don't know. I don't know if it's actually something I want to encourage. Like, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of fun, but I also always feel a little bit like I this is probably I'm probably not going to win this. Why am I putting my money into this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, 300 million uh, cash option split 20 ways is that's that's not a bad outcome, I'd say. Um, yeah, may, may, maybe you don't need to worry about, uh, everybody quitting their job because you get to quit too. And, um, <laughs> somebody else gets to take over Beaver Builder. Um, so, okay. So talking about this distributed team you've got, and, and you're one of the three folks that is kind of leading the team as, as a co-founder, how do you manage kind of sleep and wellness and all of that? Because conceivably somebody might have a question or an issue at, 11 o'clock at night, three in the morning. Like, like, how do you manage all of that? I think I can really have to speak for me and my personal experience, but I think I've gotten better at work-life balance as time has gone on. I think we've also, like us three co-founders, have hired folks to take over some of our day-to-day work. And there was a time where, you know, it was like the three and the four of us, um, like answering all the support tickets or, you know, if the website went down or something like that, like we'd have those kind of emergency calls or emails that were like, this needs to, like something needs to be fixed now, um, whether it's weekend or middle of the night. And um, we all lived that lifestyle for, for many years. And, you know, like I was guilty of, 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 over not overworking, but just spending way more hours in front of the computer than I'd like to admit, um, and and constantly checking my phone. And when those things came in, getting distracted, and it was you know distracting from my relationships and things like that too. So um, we've gotten a little bit better at kind of just letting things roll and 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 dealing with things when we can, as opposed to feeling like we have to be on call every every minute of the day. But there still are a few, like, you know, like when the website crashes, that's a big one. Like you got to get the website back up. You know? like, like, that's true. That, that's not a, ah, I'll do it on Monday type of thing. Um, uh, so I guess that part of the the sales pitch of the Silicon Valley startup was was accurate. Uh, all the other stuff was not accurate necessarily, but, uh, but there you have it. Technically uh, it was true, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get a lot of sleep. You have to work on all the things. Uh, that's very true for Silicon Valley startups. Um, okay. So, you know, now you've been doing this. Um, oh, I, you know, I meant to ask earlier. How did you come up with the name Beaver Builder of all names? Like, why Beaver? <laughs> okay, so it's a good story. We originally, so our, our agency was called Fastline Media. And when we launched Beaver Builder, uh, we we had we rebranded early on. So it was originally called the Fastline Page Builder um, after our you know company name. And one of our early customers was a marketing guy, um, self-proclaimed, and he was very like outspoken and and just kind of a direct like you know very direct to the point of it being like offensive sometimes. But he sent us this email and he was like, "You guys, I love your product. I think it's great." He's like, "But your marketing sucks. Like you're not doing this. You're not doing like you guys need to have a blog and you should be doing this." And he's like, "And and oh by the way, like your name is awful. Like it it, it what it's not memorable. What is what is fast line like?" <laughs> Um, and so he planted this kind of seed. He's like, you guys need to change your name. Um, and we heard, and it was like a little, it was like a little offense, not offensive, but it was like, oh, it kind of hurt a little bit. He's like, well, it's like, this isn't fun to hear, but maybe he's right. Like, <laughs> so we, 
we spent, you know, a couple months trying to come up with a new name and we'd all like think of something that we liked. And then we'd go over to like, you know, the, the like instant domain name search site and we'd like type it in and the domain wouldn't be there and be like, oh, gosh, okay. <laughs> um, the, the classic way of naming things is the domain available. Yeah, is the domain available, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, it's funny, I have to commiserate a little bit. When I was doing my very first startup, um, we actually had a product uh, and we had named it Spot. Um, and it stood, it was an acronym, sy systematic, systematic Position Online Targeter. Um, and so it was a dog. And one of these investors that we talked about, uh, talked to very early on, he could not get off the fact that it was a dog and he would just keep talking about it peeing everywhere like and eventually we were just like we we renamed it he's never became an investor in the company um but i think it it, it was good that we did it just like you know what you, so you went towards the animal name we went away from the animal name um but uh but that's interesting i, I think it worked out well for both of us um okay so uh so you've been doing this now for for quite a bit of time um now looking kind of in the rear view mirror, like looking back, um, is there something that if you could go back in time, you do differently? And, and what would that be if you could do something differently, knowing what you know now? Hmm. That's interesting. One big thing that kind of rocked us in the last several years was, so again, we're a WordPress plugin where we're built on top of the WordPress platform. And several years ago, the you know, WordPress um, group announced that they wanted to start working on a new editing experience. You know, WordPress, you know, just quick history, started as a blogging platform, still is a blogging flat platform, but it sort of evolved into being a more full-fledged CMS. Um, and it, it runs a, you know, a huge number C of- CMS for listeners that don't know, content management system. Yeah, yeah. It, it became kind of the go-to platform for building a website for, for many, many years. And it still is. There's there's a lot more options out there with like, you know, things like Squarespace and Shopify. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's one of the top, you know, five or three choices if you want to get a website online. Right. Um and so the yeah, the WordPress group announced that they were gonna create a new editor that they called it Gutenberg at the time. It was Project Gutenberg, but it was gonna be a visual um, editor that would look very mm -hmm. similar to what we were doing. So like, I guess a good analogy is that we used to hear all the time is like um, Apple and, and iPhones and the app store, right? I, there was all of these companies that would come up and they'd have the, you know, like the, there was, what was it called? There was a, an app that did the, um, the light shifting during the nighttime. So when you're looking at your phone right. at night, it would kind of make it a little more orange and a little more like they dim the blue light. And it was yeah. a really popular app. They had tons of sales. They were like, you know, you know, a business. And then Apple announced one day that they were going to make that a core feature of iOS. And like that yep. company went from being there to being gone. And yep. so there's a... Same thing happened with the flashlight apps, I think in the early days. <laughs> There was no flashlight on phones because there was a fear of burning out um, the flash, right? Because if, if it gets left on too long, uh, but people kind of hacked it and then they just, they, they all built it in. Yep. Yep. So there's a, a give and take with, with building on top of someone else's platform, right? You get the benefit right. of the, the user base and the, um, yeah, just the community and things like that. But then there's a chance that the, that, you know, they're going to take over what you're doing. So that, that we were afraid that was going to happen to us when they announced this new editor project. And we were kind of right. like, Oh man, I remember like 
it was a conference, a WordCamp where they announced it. And I remember people coming up to me that night at like the after party and being like, oh man, sorry to hear that. Like <laughs> it must've been a good run for you guys. Like too bad. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of FUD, like fear, uncertainty, doubt that that was going to kind of be the end of, of page builders. Right. Um, and then in hindsight, like Gutenberg, that project has been coming along. They've, they've got a really great new editing experience on WordPress that uh-huh. you can like build out a page and drag and drop da- and things around. But um, WordPress, it's running like, you know, 40% of the top 10 million sites. Like they have this huge usage base. So they have a lot more right. guardrails and restrictions on things that they're able to do. Um, and whereas we're a little bit more agile, we've always been able to kind of dip our toes in new browser technology and, and kind of stay, stay relevant. And yeah, um, it, it didn't. So, so <laughs> look, looking back at that, then what, what would you have done differently um, in terms of dealing with this? I think we would have maybe like continued going all in. So at the time we were like, okay, we need, maybe we should like look into doing a new product or we should, you know, look into um, investing more in like our theme or some things that are going to be more like complementary to what WordPress core is doing. And we did go that route. And in in hindsight of like, I don't know if, I don't know if we needed to, I mean, it's worked Mm -hmm. out, but um, yeah. And we certainly didn't need to have like all the the kind of anxiety and (laughs) again, FUD that, that, we were going to be uh, gone in a year or two when, when Gutenberg matured. Yeah. I, again, that was the accurate part of the Silicon Valley startup that they sold you nine, 10 years before. <laughs> all, all that fear and uncertainty. But generally, that's about entrepreneurship, too, I guess. Um, you know, pe- people don't talk about that so often. But, man, there's, there's a lot of worrying about things all the time. That's kind of our job um, being founders. Um, okay, let, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, let's talk about uh, any kind of technology or app or systems that you use and you've implemented that you'd recommend to listeners who might be running a small business, starting a side hustle. Like, is there anything that you use that you're like, oh, other people should definitely use the same thing? Hmm, that's a good question. You know, it's not particularly related to the business, but one of my favorite apps that I've started using recently is uh, called Readwise. Uh-huh. And it's a browser extension, uh, but it also syncs up with my Kindle. And what it does is it's, you can highlight something, anything, if you're reading like um, if you're reading on the Kindle or if you're reading a website or an email, um, you can highlight it and it will save it. And then the Readwise app is basically something I've been looking at or trying to look at every day. Um, and it will pick like six of the highlights that you've highlighted in the past and it'll just surface those for you. Um, and it huh. does a different six every day. And it's kind of that like, you know, repetitive, um, like if you want to learn something, it'll like help you um, like see it regularly and they'll kind of space out the number of times that they show you the same thing. So it, so it helps like kind of surface ideas that I thought were interesting and wanted to know and like not forget about um, and keeps them relevant. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, okay, uh, last question for you. Um, if you were talking to somebody who is thinking about taking a leap and starting a, a small business or a side hustle, what advice would you give them? It's easy to say, you know, just do it, go for it. Like, um, I think that, gosh, that is a good, that's a really good question. I think that, you know, the, the benefits of, of owning your own business are, are great, but then there's also downsides and, um, 
Yeah, you know, I, honestly, I would say if you can't, if you're in a place in your life where you can dedicate the time, um, then go ahead and take the risk. But I don't think there's any like, you know, there's it's not something that you have to do. I, I'm reminded of a friend, I guess, who who was running an agency, and he was doing well, but he was like his family was growing. Um, mm-hmm. He was like moving into a new house, and like and it, ultimately, he just he decided like the entrepreneur life is not for me. He went and he he like mm. got a real job, um, yeah. and he has been so much happier now. And I guess that's that's the part like the part of me that's reluctant to just say, oh yeah, go for it. You know, like you know, quit your job and start to like take your side hustle to the moon. Um, like I've also seen the opposite happen, where people who are really working hard and fighting in the entrepreneurial space um, went and got a job and had you know all of a sudden they had like healthcare for them and their families, and they had a right. consistent paycheck and their quality of life improved a lot. So um, I guess take a take a long deep thought and decide if it's something that you want, and if you do, go for it. But if not, don't feel like guilty. You know, like we're in this kind of especially yeah. in like entrepreneurial circles and communities and this whole kind of like hustle, hustle. Um, like, yeah. yeah. It's like, don't feel guilty if it's not for you, I guess. Just, just find things that make you happy and, and enjoy them. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely great advice. Yeah, that's, a, that. that's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> that's a really tough yeah. question. Good one. Uh, but that was a great answer. I love that. Um, Robbie, this has been fantastic. Where can our listeners find and connect with you online? Oh, thanks, Sanjay. Yeah, likewise. This was a lot of fun. Um, so our our company, Beaver Builder, is uh, wpbeaverbuilder.com. Um, I am on... It's funny. I've been spending a lot less time on Twitter because it's just been a little bit of like a mess these days. Um, they changed up TweetDeck, which was my go-to uh, Twitter platform. But I'm on Twitter still, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, but yeah, the best place is probably to, to check our website or... Uh, or uh, Facebook. We have a big group called the Beaver Builders group on Facebook where a lot of people that use our product hang out. That's awesome. Robbie, thanks so much for coming on today. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Side Hustle to Small Business podcast powered by Hiscox. To learn more about how Hiscox can help protect your small business through intelligent insurance solutions, visit Hiscox.com. That's H-I-S- cox.com. And if you have a story you want to hear on this podcast, please visit hiscox.com slash share your story. I'm your host, Sanjay Parik. You can find out more about me at my website, sanjayparik.com. <laughs>